Welcome back, and thank you for listening to the Home Improvement Podcast. We are in week six of our series, Knotted, How Tight Is Your Marriage? And this week, we're looking at the mystery of marriage. We examine the three purposes of marriage and how God has made us to fulfill those purposes, and in doing so, to enrich and bless and use our lives for the fulfillment of His glory. Let's jump into our teaching for today. Lesson number six here is called the mystery of marriage. And what that really gets to is we're going to see in just a second is uh, purpose and it's God's purpose or, or intent for marriage. So let's look at this first as by way of review. We, this is our key statement to go off of every single week to want to get us to improve. That is every marriage is either moving towards uh, oneness and that's a closer, better relationship that we all strive for or we are drifting apart towards isolation. We say this every week, but one happens naturally that's drifting, and then what happens intentionally, and that is oneness and tightening up our marriage, and so that's the whole purpose of this. Last week, we looked at the single most important skill to possess in communication, which is the ability to listen, and not just to hear what someone's saying, but actually to listen and to comprehend and to understand, which means we have to be engaged in listening. Many people are dying for someone just to listen to them. We talked about services and other things that people pay for, just to have someone to call for them to listen to them, but... If we are married, this is our our key line that we should think about here is I should be the best listener that my spouse has. Now, I might not have the most amount of time. Uh, maybe they work with someone else or they, they talk you know more with a sister they're close to or whatever else, but you should be the person that listens to them, uh, really hearing them more than anybody else does. So we're going to look at this this week, and uh, that is what is the, the mystery of of marriage. Go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1 and then verse number 27 is where we're going to be. Genesis 1 and then verse number 27. It says all the way at the beginning. There we go. In 26, God establishes our place in his creation and that is that we are having dominion over all other created things. And then in verse number 27, it gives us our purpose. So 26 is our place, 27 is our purpose. Um, And then 28 is our productivity. So 27 says this, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. In verse number 28, it tells us this, and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Every single person is dying for and searching for purpose, obviously. Talking about purpose, I like looking at this, and so I look these uh, up to add on to here. Uh, But have you ever looked at those things on the internet about like little things that you didn't know had a purpose, but they're specifically designed in a certain way? Okay, so here we go, right? Here's the first one. Does anyone know what the purpose, and probably a pen that you have right now, of that hole that's on the top of that of that uh, big pen or, or, you know, whatever type of pen that you have, why it would have that hole at the top. So if a kid swallows it, they can still breathe. Ah, there you go. So people think it's because it dries out. It's not true. It's if a little kid swallowed it, it wouldn't completely block the airway. And so they can breathe until it can get dislodged. Pretty cool, right? So now you know. There you go. All right. What about when you buy a new uh, piece of clothing? And uh, not, not like Goodwill, but high-end clothing or whatever else, right? It gives you a little uh, sample piece of strip in there or whatever else. What's that in there for? Okay, so when you go to 
wash clothes, you can put a little dab of bleach or whatever you're you know, doing with to make sure if it's going to affect the actual clothing. That you're you can test it. That's right. Yeah, you can test how different detergents will react with that type of clothing. Did you know that? Now you know. Okay. Let's see. Um, yeah, you know, there you go. There you go. Either he's domesticated or he has too much time searching the internet. I don't know, but it's one of those two. All right, I want a lady to answer this one if you can. All right, okay. This is on a lady, whatever. This is on a tape measure, okay? This is on a tape measure. Do you know what it would be there for? I mean, every guy does, right? I mean, pretty much, but what's that? There you go. Yeah, Hannah, congratulations. Jacob, you should be proud. Yeah, if you're by yourself, you need to measure something, you can, yeah, you can get that measurement. It will, okay, this is also very, very important, no matter what gender you are, okay? What is the arrow for? Thank you, which is really helpful if you have like a rental or something like that. That little arrow indicates to you which side the gas tank is on. So when you pull up to the pump, you can be on the correct side. Did you know that? Babe, you didn't know that? Okay, good. Do you need to? No, now you know these things. So, yeah, I know. It's, it's true. Yes, sir? Some don't have the arrow, so it would be where the little... Yeah. Yeah, what about those? True. True. So, that, so whatever side the... Yeah. That indicates what side to. Okay, gotcha. Okay, good. Right. My 2001 doesn't have that, so I was wondering about that. So, okay, even further. Good. Oh, wow, that's cool. I know that. I didn't know this last night either. The F and the J key have little like um, bumps right there. What's the what's the point? No, it's not for blind people. No, no, because it's only on those two keys. So blind people are only allowed to type in F and J. That's all that they can do. Just, that's all they can do, man. They type S all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, that's the home position for your, yes, it's where you start. Unless you type like me, then it doesn't really matter. It's just all over the place. So, well, now you know. Now you know. Um, which, by the way, I got to ask you, were you, did any incidents this morning? Were you helping anybody this morning? No, okay, okay, good, all right, you're incident-free this morning, that's good, all right. Uh, the, so, we're going to look at the purpose. That's the purpose of all those things. So, what's... What's the purpose of, oh, it's for the home. So that's where your, where your hands are supposed to always go back to when you start moving around. So if you've ever typed, taken like a typing class or something. So here we go. We're going to look at then uh, three purposes today. I've got five in all. So we'll stretch this lesson over two weeks. Unless, of course, you guys get really talkative, then we'll, we'll uh, make it for, uh, more than that. But the first purpose in marriage, number one, is to, for us to mirror God's image. For us to mirror God's image. Let's look at this. God joined a man and woman together so that together they would mirror his image. Together they would mirror his image. Obviously, there's character traits of God and of Jesus Christ that we want to promote and to uh, push out there and uh, so that we're, we better can do that uh, through our marriage. This union he called, uh, here he called this union marriage. He called this union marriage. We've got a couple of verses to look at, and so um, I think it'll really um, help out in this lesson today. The first thing, though, it says this. Their oneness reflects 
the character and unity of God. So if you have your Bible, go to Matthew. I should have put these up on the screen. I'm sorry, but Matthew chapter number 19. And um, I'll get some people to help me read this, if you don't mind. Matthew chapter number 19, 4 through... Four through six. Is that a right, Mike? Is there? Let's go with it. All right, there you go. It's a military background, so he's voluntold before. So, all right, Matthew nineteen four through six says this. Of course, it's got to be on three different pages in this Bible too. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, and he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. All right, so that's the line that we're very familiar with, or sometimes we'll get said at weddings, right? So what God hath put together, let not man put asunder. Uh, John 17 um, says along the same lines here. John 17, 22 and 23, and... Um, even though you have these ones memorized, Mike, can you just read it for us to uh, keep us on the same? 17, 22, and 23 says this. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Okay, so obviously God, through the Trinity, is united uh, with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So our, our oneness together reflects the char- character and the unity of God. And so from Matthew uh, 19, 4 through 6, it talks about that two people are going to be joined together, okay? This is why it's important and why it's good and why uh, I believe if you're going to be joined together, then look, get, get joint bank accounts, right? And, and do things together. Have vested interests, right? Don't have escape routes or plans uh, set up ahead of time. Well, if this doesn't work, you know, I, I, I got this, you know, this safety, you know, egg or whatever. I got this 10,000 packed away somewhere or whatever. Yeah, right, right. Uh, but you, you have plans of, of how you can make that out. Don't do that. We're supposed to throw that away because whatever God's joined together, and that's you two, don't let anybody, especially you two, put that asunder uh, in this marriage here. And so that's the character and the union. Number two right there, their oneness is a living picture of this intimate relationship between Jesus and and his followers. This is a really, really good point. Ephesians 5, 22 and 23. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. It's a long passage here. Um, and so I'm not going to read, we won't read all of it, but we're going to read most of it. Um, 22 through 33. It says this. Wives, submit yourselves unto your, uh, unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. You know what's interesting? In both cases there, he says, ladies, here's what you should do, but you're going to do it just like Jesus Christ did it. Guys, here's what you're going to do, and you're going to do it just like Jesus Christ did it. So both people are called there to sacrifice. A lot of times, uh, whenever people look at this and they want to throw out that for marriage, they'll say, well, it's unfair. it's unfair to the lady, as if God's only calling a lady to do something in that case. 
God's also calling for a guy to do something in this case, and that is to sacrifice, if necessary, our life, but also to give our life, to pour it into our families, and to love them as Christ loved the church. Is that an example that I want to be held up to? Loving my wife as much and as, as purely and as devotedly as Christ loves the church. No, because that's the standard I'm going to fall short of. But that's the standard that God calls me to is to love her in that same way. Well, that's impressive because we know what Jesus Christ did for the church 2,000 years ago. He died on a cross uh, for, for them, for that life. And so it's a huge and high calling that God pulls us to. But look at the purpose of number 26. It says this, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word. 27, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it might be holy and without blemish. So guys, it gives us a second underlining purpose here, which I think is important. Also, not only are we called to love our wives as Christ loved the church, but we're also called to bring this marriage and our family, this union, right, in a holy and Christ-like direction. So what is God saying there? God is saying for guys that we should lead our family in pleasing and serving the Lord. So if I'm going to be in charge of this family, okay, and if I'm going to, to be the one that God says, okay, right, here's your responsibility, okay? I have a responsibility then to make sure that my family before God is holy, that we, are, that we finish our race uh, responsibly and purely, okay? That means that, guys, we should be leading in saying, hey, guys, family, let's, let's go to church. Hey, family, let's, let's do this together. Hey, family, let's read our Bible. Hey, family, let's put God first, okay? And I was talking with a lady uh, last week, and she, uh, she came to our church, and she's been coming a couple weeks. She, I love, love your church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and uh, check out your class and all the rest of this. So I said, um, okay, it's great. Um, you know, has, has, has your husband come for you? He's come one time before, but you know, this or this, and you know, he doesn't really like church all that much. And I said, let me just encourage you first off that, that it happens for so, so, so many people where the wife is motivated to get the family in church, but the husband is dragging his feet or fighting it. One of the two happens like this all the time. You might've been, and it might have been that way for you that at first, man, your wife was like, let's get in church and we'll do the family together, whatever else. And you just didn't want to. And we, we drug our feet on that. And we were, we were resistant against that. So I just encourage her, look, just pray for him, right? And you just keep doing the right thing because God can reach his heart even when we can't. And so unfortunately that happens a lot, but guys, it shouldn't be that way. We should be the ones. Hey, look, family, we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua 24, 15 says what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As we learned last night, as for me and my gingerbread house, right? But the point is, is that we're going forward and we're gonna say, okay, guys, we're going to serve God, right? I'm going to lead in. We're going to do this. You can jump in behind me, but we're going to go forward to serve God. And that's the intent there. And that's what we're supposed to do. All right, got distracted there. Here we go. Um, 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished it and cherished it, even as the Lord, the church. So if you look there, we got one, two, three, four, five verses dedicated uh, two guys, three dedicated to girls. And so we have more of a responsibility there. Uh, verse number 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Look at verse number 32 is where it brings it home. This is a great what? Mystery. Mystery. Or we have a typology here. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Paul said this whole time you thought I was talking about husbands and wives. What I'm really talking about is Jesus Christ and his church. 
Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. And so God calls upon both uh, genders to sacrifice in this relationship. Number three right here. Do you have a blank right here? Their oneness is expressed within a commitment uh, to or lifetime commitment to one another. Their oneness is expressed with a lifetime commitment to one another. Let's look at purpose number two then. We should mutually what? Complete. Complete. Mutually complete one another. Companionship in marriage is God's provision to replace what? Isolation. Isolation. You know what's interesting? Um, how, how many of you guys remember your single days, right? Okay, so a couple of uh, weeks ago we had Thanksgiving, right? So I was telling my wife what I would do on Thanksgiving uh, as a single person. So I kind of went through the whole... And when I was done, she said, that's the most depressing thing that I've ever heard in my entire life. And when I stopped thinking about it, man, it really, it really was. I mean, I can remember like uh, getting off work and not really having a reason to go home, you know, and it was just, you know, uh, and, and for guys, sometimes maybe we didn't, you know, we didn't keep up the house or, or care about basic hygiene. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's just all kinds of stuff. And uh, sometimes if, if a lady is gone seven to 10 days away from the house, you know, I mean, it can, it, can pa- it can fall apart really quickly, right? I mean, I said seven to 10, seven to 10 hours, right? If a lady is gone from a house, uh, it can fall apart pretty quickly and just babies are walking around with no diapers and foods everywhere, right? And it's just a war zone uh, because we need and God has put something in our life, right? To help us and literally to give us a purpose and a reason to go on. But secondly, to be a better person than we have before, okay? And this brings me into something interesting. And this is going to be, uh, this is going to be my most controversial part of today's lesson. So you guys ready for it about? Okay, right, good, okay. Like controversy? All right, okay, good, here we go. That's right, okay, good. Um, I, was, I was looking at this, so it says right there, to meet our deep and longing uh, need for a close and intimate relationship is why we have the companionship of marriage. Look at the second thing right there, or number one under that. God designed marriage as the first social institution. I told you this before, but on surveys, uh, they, they surveyed guys and ladies on this, right? That ladies, um, if you were, and they, they put it down into the most um, harshest of terms. If you were on a boat, okay, and uh, your husband fell in the water and your child fell in the water, you can only save one, who would you rescue? Most ladies would rescue the kid, right? Most guys would rescue the wife. Guys thinking like, well, we can have another kid, you know, but I don't know that I want to try to get married again or whatever else, you know. Um, so this, this lady wrote uh, this whole thing here because the question was put, what's more important to a woman, her husband or her child? But here's what I want to say from this, this point to start out with, and I'm going to read you the, a narrative of something that happened. God designed marriage as the first social institution. It's important to remember that one day those kids are going to be grown and gone, Right? And when they are, and they're off at college somewhere, right, then you look next to you and there's one person who's still there, okay? Still. And a decade or 15 years later, they just won't leave, man, Tom, right? Like, what? Well, I just never noticed them until after the kids left. Right, exactly. And it won't be a dog. It won't be anything that you've had around because dogs usually don't live that long, right? And uh, Which, by the way, I saw, did you, anyone see this in the news? There was a, uh, they have the oldest living turtle in North America. 
is now uh, like 168 or 186. I forget which one it is or whatever. But they went through and told, like, he lived through the Civil War. Like, all kinds of stuff, which is just insane. So, um, but none of you have a... Yeah, probably, like, get me out of here. I've seen it all. I'm ready to go. I guess depending on uh, what pet you have, unless you have a turtle, you know, everything's going to be, you know, your kids are going to be off somewhere, but you look next to you and your spouse will be there, right? And maybe you haven't seen that spouse or really seen that spouse in 10 years, because life gets busy, right? And that's why the whole point of this lesson is, is that we drift towards isolation. You didn't mean to. You didn't mean to grow apart from your spouse. What, what happened? Life happened. Was it bad? No. Good priorities helping your kids. And it was geometry and it was sports practices and it was baseball tryouts. And it was all this stuff. But what you didn't realize was you drifted apart. And I was reading a recent study about uh, the, this huge spike in people that are getting divorces in their 50s. But it's because of this. They grew apart. They stayed together for the kids. And probably at some point, honestly, when the kids were 14, 15, 16, they kind of knew it would happen. But the kids left the house. They didn't have anything left. They looked around and they decided to call it quits because they had drifted so far apart that they didn't recognize the person that they had loved and married 15, 20 years ago, whatever the case. Uh, this lady says this. When I had my child two years ago, I had no idea it would herald the end of my relationship with my spouse. I didn't know then that many men uh, want their wife to put marriage first and the children second. I put my child first and it cost me my relationship. Back then though, life seemed simple. I hadn't thought about the choices that I'd be unwittingly facing once I had my first child. I just assumed that me, my spouse and myself would love this baby equally. I thought we would all muddle through as long as a new family. It would be an uproar, of course, but the dust would settle. I had no reason to think otherwise. When I was pregnant, my husband was delighted. He talked about the baby constantly. Endlessly showed his friends pictures of the, of the photos of, of the, of the um, scans and such. At first, I thought my husband accepted it. Newborns do need constant attention, but as time went by, it became obvious that having a child had fundamentally changed me. The focus of my life became my child and not my spouse. That's my key line I'm pulling from this. Whereas before, I would maybe uh, cook dinner and meet him from work, or we'd go out, or we'd spend, uh, I spent all day with my son and then uh, had no energy to cook or to chat uh, about things that happened during the day. We didn't go out much. I didn't dress up the way I used to either. I couldn't see the point. Our life was about our child, right? After a year or so, my husband told me that he had found the life change and my change frustrating. Uh, he didn't like the different things that we had to do. Uh, he didn't like child activities that he arranged for us to do. He couldn't bear the fact that our life revolved around only around our child's routines, uh, and so on and so forth. And so they grow apart and they get they become uh, they end up getting divorced before the child turns two. Here's the point: bad on the guy's part, okay? Bad on both people's part, obviously. Sounds like a very very selfish husband in this case, okay? Uh, but also the fact remains this. Sometimes we forget that our closest, most important, most cherished relationship is our spouse. And no matter what stage, and I know it's, it's hard. We come home from a hard day of work and sometimes and we, by the time, you know that coveted bedtime, right? Because after that, that's the time that you get to uh, do nothing else or you get to relax or whatever. I sent my wife a funny uh, meme of, of uh, it was a mom putting the baby down. It's like, oh, I can't wait till this baby goes to sleep. And 10 minutes later, the mom was in her bed looking at pictures, photos of the baby or whatever, you know. And, and that's really true. Uh, but you got to remember to cherish it, even though, okay, there's going to be kid time, but that you have some spouse time, right? This is why I encourage people all the time. And listen, I'm going to put it back on you guys with this, okay? Um, a lot of times um, I'll we'll come talk to people or whatever, and, and someone will say in passing, like, oh, we haven't been on a date, you know, and 
seven, eight months, nine months. I talked to someone the other day, they hadn't been on a date in over a year. And the simple reason was, well, you know, we just, uh, we can't find time. We couldn't find a sitter or, or something like that. Let me just say really bluntly, guys, that's a pathetic excuse. If you, if you, if you need sitting, uh, call me, right? Develop relationships, develop friendships. Um, this year, actually, we're, we're putting, um, I'll just tell you ahead as I'm trying to pull up the, the thing here. Um, this year, we looked at uh, towards Thanksgiving, towards Valentine's Day, I'm sorry. Um, we're going to have just a spouse date night and game night. And we're just going to say, okay, hey, the church is, is, is paying for babysitters. If you want to drop off your kids, go out to hang, uh, have a nice dinner with your spouse. If you want to come here later on and play games, if you want to stay out with your spouse for a couple hours, that's fine. We'll pay for the babysitters, but y'all just need to go and have some dates. Just go and have some time together because so many couples just say, oh, we just can't make it happen. But listen, it's important for your relationship to make it happen, okay? Having activities and having things that you guys do together. And I realized this, everyone hit that spot just the other day, me and my wife, we looked at each other and we both said, man, we're so old. Like we, well, we used to do this and that together. We used to uh, be fun or whatever else. Everyone's gonna have that feeling when you have kids. But the point is, man, do you have any dedicated time with your spouse, with that person that's your forever partner, okay? Um, or at the end, you're going to be trying to hold on to your kids. Don't, no, don't, don't go to college. You know, you could stay here. Just move out when you're 30 because we realize that they're the only glue that holds our whole family together. That's really sad if we're in a spot where the only glue that holds our whole family together uh, is just our kids and we've got nothing to show for uh, in our relationship here. Let's look at that third one right there. Um, or a second. God designed marriage to be the first system of interdependent relationships. Interdependent relationships. Um, next, God designed the marriage relationship as the priority relationship in the family. The priority relationship in the family. I have started to tell this to my boys already. Um, uh, so they'll say something or whatever, and I, they, they know I'm teasing, but I'll say, well, I like mom more than I like you. Um, and what I'm trying to establish later on is like, look, you're not going to come in between me and mom. You know, you might, you might try to pit us against each other and they'll do that right. Uh, but after you're gone and you have your own family somewhere else, I'm going to still have mom, right? And we're going to grow old together and you'll have your own family and, and, and we want to be part of your lives. But this is the most guarded relationship that I have to protect here. Uh, oneness in marriage is only possible when we consider our spouse before we consider ourselves. Oneness in marriage is only possible when we consider our spouse before we consider ourselves. Here's what I want to do in order to give a little bit of time here. Here's your assignment that you need to do. Are you ready? Okay. Take out your pen. Take out your lesson right there. If you've written nothing in, do this part right here. I want you to circle. And when me and my wife did, I was looking at this from, from three years ago, things that we circled, which is kind of funny if of how active we thought we were going to be, right? But uh, circle at least three ways that you could draw, that you could pursue companionship with your spouse. What does the word pursue relate? Uh, it relates intentionality. So again, we don't want to drift, we want to pursue. So you can circle, and then I left in there several blanks. If you have other things that you guys like to do together, but go ahead and take a minute and just circle some things. And maybe it's the person that you would like to be, like, oh, I'd love to be the person that works out with my spouse, right? I'd like to be the person that, but I'm, I'm pretty much the person that likes to eat with my spouse, right? And that's okay. <laughs> that's nothing wrong with that, okay? Uh, reality sex in sometimes, right? So, uh, but circle one of those there, or several of those that you think that you uh, could do. I think volunteering is a good thing to do. I, I get to volunteer with my wife in several different formats and enjoy that. That's good stuff there. I tried to get my wife to like tennis and that didn't go. So we, we moved on from that. 
<laughs> board games and eating. That's a really good one for us there. So, But find something you can be intentional with. Philip? Uh, one of the things, going back to uh, the idea about the children, um, one thing that I try and be intentional on is that make sure that the kids see uh, uh, my wife and I having alone time, mm-hmm. um, talking with each other. And, and then if the kids try and interrupt or say something, I, I tell them that I'm trying to spend time with my wife instead of saying your mom. So when they hear it, they know that I'm speaking about my wife and not their mom. So right. I just kind of think that's, that's good. <clears throat> That's an important distinction. I remember the first time I told Samuel, I said, hey, you don't talk that way to my wife. And it like clicked for him for the first time. Like, oh, yeah, my, my mom is your wife. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's, that's what's important to me here, okay? Uh, so we're, we're not going to do that, right? Uh, but that's true, though, for them to realize, like, hey, that's, you guys have a, something sacred from God called a marriage. And obviously that's modeling for them one day that that's what they should pursue with their relationship. Obviously the biggest thing your kids are going to get out of this is how should a marriage look like? And you are the biggest teachers of what a marriage should look like. Um, hopefully you and the Bible, depending on how much you're putting into them, right? Um, but they're going to model their relationship after what they've seen for 18 years or so. You're going to say something? Nope. Anybody else going to say something? Don't want to cut someone off? Okay. All right. You got all your good hobbies there and different things that you can uh, do together. All right. Number three, uh, I didn't want to get too far into it because uh, I figured it'd be one that we could pick up next week. So we're going to kind of stop in the middle. But... Uh, this is the third purpose. By the way, show your wife or, or husband these later on and say, okay, here's some ways I think we can start to pursue companionship. Maybe it means adjusting your schedule a little bit. Maybe it means telling the kids, hey, look, your mom and I need some alone time. Um, so we need, to, we need to pursue this uh, so that we, that we have that little bit of time. Um, maybe it's just that you can, you can only walk up and down. Uh, me and my wife have done this before because the kids are down and we can only walk up and down our street because you, you can't just like leave, you know, uh, once they're in bed or whatever. We, we, we walk up down real quick, check in, make sure, okay, no, everyone's good. Walk up and down it again or whatever. Uh, you have to sometimes to get creative in order to create time depending on what age your kids are. Here's the purpose, number three, of a godly marriage is to multiply a godly legacy. Multiply a godly legacy. What... There's only a few things, and maybe just one as I think about it here, though. But after you are dead and gone and you've lived your life on this earth, what will be left? What will be left is the legacy of whatever you have poured into your kids, modeling Christianity, modeling marriage, modeling citizenship and character. And that's powerful to think that your kids will live on with the Fowler Olivas Boggs name and what's that going to look like? Will they honor God with their lives? And will they have happy and, and Christ-centered relationships? That's really, really important. Uh, that's the stamp that we leave on the world and really on eternity. Because uh, witnessing to people and living a godly life, it does uh, echo into eternity. Yes, sir? We just had that discussion with my, kind of with my daughter last night. Um, she's, she's wondering when she can do things and you know, when she can Breaking it 
sound like what you were like what you're talking about is is um, you know just allowing them to have these moments of clarity like that's that makes sense. Yes. That's my wife and your mom. Yeah. Yeah. 13 is hard. Yeah. That's all I can say. 13 is hard. Um, man, I, I've always wanted, I'm look, I always look around the room and say, okay, what age are people's kids or whatever. I want to teach on this series so bad about, about holding on to privileges until it's a good and responsible time to give it to them. Because I've, I've talked to people long enough to see when, it, when your kids are y'all's age, everyone says, oh yeah, I'm going to do this, whatever. And then as soon as the pressure comes for, uh, you know, unfettered cellular devices, which have access to the internet, different, like people just cave, people cave because whenever your kids come to you like, Oh, and put the wine on, right. People cave. And, uh, it's, it's important to not cave, uh, because it's very, very, obviously we're, we're going after, I'm going to godly parent first. And then later on I can be a really, really good friend. Right. But once you trade those, we've talked about this before. Once you trade those, uh, you're going to be neither. Um, and so you want to hang on to those things and, and set your red lines right now and just determine this is how we're going to raise our kids. And it's easy now because when they're six, hey, can I have this? No. Okay. And they go and play and they forget about it. Uh, or you're like, hey, here's food instead. Sure. But when they're 16, when they're 13, uh, it's a lot different and stuff. All right. You can write this last one down. Marriage provides the divine context for having children. We'll pick it up there next week looking at the legacy. We'll look at uh, reasons four and five. They're not as long. Uh, We'll finish out those chapters here um, very, very shortly. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of our Home Improvement Podcast. Home Improvement Couples Class is a ministry of Gospel Light Baptist Church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. Hey, if you'd like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook at Home Improvement Couples Class. And also, feel free to come by our church if you're ever in the Rio Rancho, Albuquerque metro area. Thank you. Have a great week and continue to work on improving your home for the glory of God.